Listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820 brings you The Seminarians, a dialogue with students from the Pontifical College Josephinum, produced by AM820 to encourage and inspire vocations to the religious life. And now, The Seminarians. Welcome to The Seminarian Show. I'm Dalton Irvin from the Diocese of Victoria in Texas. Joining me are Jonathan Torres from Charlotte, North Carolina, and Gordon Mott from Columbus, Ohio. Let us pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. God, we thank you for the gift of this day. We thank you for the gift of life uh, that you have given us, that our parents have chosen uh, to let us have. Uh, Lord, we ask you to keep us ever mindful of what a great gift this life is. May we never take any day for granted. We ask that Our Lady walk with us on this journey of appreciating each day as we pray together, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. St. Joseph, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You know, the Hail Mary, that last part of the Hail Mary, even as a child, really struck me that now and at the hour of our death, amen. You know, when when the ladies were praying the rosary before Mass and it sounded like an auction, it was, Hail Mary, full of grace, Lord, so be blessed, art thou amongst women, blessed for thou room, Jesus. And everybody would cry. Holy Mary, Mother God, pray for us sinners now at the hour of our death, amen. That, wow, our death. That's, that's a, a, that's a, that's a Texas is, parish right oh, there. Yeah. I mean, 10 minutes, you hear the 10 till bells ring and they'd start the rosary and they were still done before Mass started. I mean, you could get through it. But to me, that last part, now and at the hour of our death, Amen. As a child, it seemed very morbid to me. Mm. This, because I'm a little kid, I don't want to think about dying. Yeah, that's kind of scary. <laughs> is this um, a segue? Dalton? It is a segue. It is a segue <laughs> because the show, the show is going to be on death and dying and end of life issues. Mm-hmm. Um, I was on my way there. I know. I know. I just the anticipation no. was killing me. I'm I, sorry. Oh, killing you! <laughs> oh, death you like and that, dying. Right? That's yeah. good too. I'm on my game. <laughs> but uh, anyhow, in all seriousness. Death is a part of our life, um, and we'll get into scriptural like foundations and theological anthropology discussing was it always a part of human life, mm. or kind of where did it, where does death come from? Um, but to begin with, um, we often hear about the four last things: heaven, right? Death, heaven, hell, and judgment. Yeah, yeah. Um, and John the twenty third. Uh, he he had this written down in one of his notebooks. Death than which nothing is more certain. Um, and now many years after the auctioneer rosary, this <laughs> this idea of death in which nothing is more certain um, is striking. And it's very true. Because as we know our life, um, if you've had any experience uh, in life, you know that that people do die. Mm-hmm. This life does come to an end, um, but we have the Christian hope that this life is not all we have. There's some death is not the end. Saint Paul says, "Oh, death, where is your victory?" Mm-hmm. Right? Where death, is where's your, your sting? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but regardless, death is still a reality. Um, so today, I would like to talk. Um, about death and dying and kind of those end of life times, the suffering we experience um, in the field of medical morality, 
that which is arising, these uh, very serious questions mm, yeah. uh, regarding euthanasia, um, kind of what is euthanasia versus, you know, sometimes I've heard people ask about in hospice care, the giving of the morphine to to fight the pain, but not to end the life, even yeah. though the end of life is coming mm-hmm. because of the dulling of the pain, um, discussing organ donations, uh, do not resuscitate uh, orders. Just, I want to talk through those sorts of things. Uh, so just by way of introduction, uh, what is death? And we've all had discussions of this in class yeah. um, already. I know for me, what what I've gathered from the reading is death is that disintegration of the person when when body and soul are not united anymore, mm-hmm. right? Because we're body soul composites. That's who makes. That's what makes up who we are. We're not simply the body, uh, the body to be mastered, and we're not simply the spirit mm-hmm. either. Um, we are Both body ends. and soul together, yep. and so death is when those two are separated. Yeah. Um, and from a religious standpoint, we have death as the result of sin mm-hmm. and so like you said our body our bodies and our souls were never meant to be disintegrated yeah exactly that unity was always meant to endure and so that disintegration of body and soul would be considered unnatural to man because of sin and death and the fall that's where we get uh because of the fall, that's where we get death and suffering. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so to us, death does seem natural because it happens to all of us. Yeah, right, right. But in understanding man in religious terms, there was a time when man did not die mm-hmm. before the fall. Yeah. Um, we hear from St. Paul in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, that the wage of sin is death. Mm-hmm. The wages of sin is death. Right. Um, and then in the very beginning, Genesis chapter 2 in the second creation account, um, that God warns Adam not to eat of the tree. Mm-hmm. And he tells him, if you do it, you will die. Right. So it seems biblically the foundations of where death enters into the life of man, yeah. maybe not in this literal way of a man taking fruit from a tree, mm-hmm. but somehow there was a sin, a separation, turning away from God, um, that then man was made subject to death. Yeah, and I think I, I'm really fascinated by this subject of suffering and death and what it means for us from a theological perspective. Because, like you said, it seems natural on a surface because we all die. Mm-hmm. It happens throughout nature, right? But existentially, you know, I'm not, not to um, go into the philosophical waters too deep, <laughs> <laughs> but on an existential level, we know that death is not meant to be. If mm-hmm. we all die then why do we cry out to the heavens when mm-hmm. we encounter it? Yeah. When, even when our grandparents die, they lived good lives, mm-hmm. we still mourn over mm-hmm. their deaths. And I think that speaks to the truth that we were not meant to die. I that agree. We were, meant, we were meant for eternal life. So Yeah, God created us to be inter- integral, body and soul exactly. together yeah. with Him uh, forever. Uh, but we do have this... and. I, I like that you brought up the suffering part because I think that's where the end of life issues really arise. It doesn't have so much to do with the reality that death is at hand, mm-hmm. but more that suffering oftentimes, probably more often than not, accompanies those final 
um, moments, moments, yeah. days, years, even mm-hmm. um, leading up to death. Right. And so then maybe we rush uh, to the end, mm-hmm. um, which can be, I think there should be a sense of not being afraid to die. Yeah, um, especially uh, with our because faith we have in the Christ. Hope, yeah. And, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But at the same time, this life is a gift. Mm-hmm. Um, God has given us this life to be on mission for his church, to build up his kingdom. Um, and even in those years, months, days of suffering, uh, good can be wrought from there. Absolutely. You know, yeah. my, my first thoughts would be, especially within the church, thinking of Pope St. John Paul II. Um, and his suffering from Parkinson's disease and how much evangelization he was able to do, mm. um, even as it seemed his body was failing. Yeah. Uh, his spirit was growing stronger. Mm-hmm. And this is a saint. I mean, I think most people saw that even when he was alive. Yeah. Uh, his saintly character. But suffering does have a place in this life. Um, and while it is totally moral and acceptable to deal with the pain, uh, to take medications, to do what, have surgeries, whatever it is, to dull the pain. Mm-hmm. Um, there is holiness in bearing that pain as Absolutely. well. Absolutely, yeah. Um, so that I mean, obviously, we've if you watch the news right now, you know, euthanasia continues to come up. Um, physician-assisted suicide, mm-hmm. uh, as it as it's called, in a lot of these congressional bills. Uh, I think we realize off the bat, um, as Christians, that there is something, suicide has never been acceptable mm-hmm. um, as as a way out, so to speak. Yeah, I think in, in more recent times, we're learning more through psychology about suicide and, and that oftentimes it's not the free choice of the person, but that there's some mental uh, depression or yeah. anxieties that lead to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's why it's really interesting in organ donation, did you know that you cannot choose uh, to do organ donation that may uh, bring your death about quicker if you're in a depressive state, a clinically depressive state? Is that right? Oh, yeah. Interesting. I learned that in an article I had to read for class. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah. I, <laughs> I guess I was not assigned that article. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. But I think that that shows, even as we become more and more secularized as a culture, that there's a protection of life. Like we respect people's mm. right to make their own decisions up to a point. Yeah. Um, and even with organ donation, that would lead to the common, right, furthering the common good. There's this idea that, well, not if you're not in the right state of mind to make this choice. Yeah. Interesting. You can end your own life, but not if you're going to yeah. do this from a place that's almost like not in your right. That's almost like society admitting that there is some dignity in human life no matter no matter how how much that life may seem to be not worth living mm-hmm. um i think that respect there is very telling about how we how we uphold um the dignity of life no matter what state um it's in so yeah and how we're at at the end of the day we are a brother's keeper yeah right? yeah, yeah we will not let you make this decision if you're in this state of mind right right well I think that has to be nuanced, right? Like, because, yeah, there are certain states that we protect pretty easily as a society. Um, And, yeah, like, you can't make a decision to 
have elective surgery for organ donation if it's clear that you are, you know, in an ongoing depressive state. But, you know, the this whole thing of why euthanasia and a lot of these end-of-life issues or even a conversation is not stems so much from the dignity of the person, but from a desire to avoid suffering. And I don't mean a desire to avoid suffering on the part of the person who is actually suffering, Mm -hmm. but rather a desire for us to avoid the experience of the other person's suffering, right? The, uh, if we see somebody going through a hard time, what's our automatic response? Oh, I'm so sorry. If you talk to anybody that is, um, you know, suffering from the loss of uh, the traumatic loss of a family member or somebody, you know, dealing with a, a traumatic diagnosis, they hear the word I'm sorry about 257 times so much so that they actually can't stand to hear those words anymore. The, uh, you know, because we feel like, well, we've, we've got to fix the thing. This, this makes me uncomfortable. I have to do a thing now. Um, You're listening to The Seminarian Show on St. Gabriel Catholic Radio, AM820. You can hear this show every Saturday at 1130 and Sunday at 1 p.m. and in the audio archives at stgabrielradio.com. I'm Dalton Irvin from the Diocese of Victoria in Texas. Joining me are Jonathan Torres from Charlotte, North Carolina, and Gordon Mott from Columbus. Uh, Gordon, you were just going uh, going to tell us more about this this deal about people wanting to fix things, especially like wanting to end other people's suffering. Yeah. So, and generally, I find that a lot of people who have very strong opinions about like being pro euthanasia, right, are generally not people who have a personal. Let's. Let's go this a little different way. Um, it is not entirely widely known, though I don't hide it, um, the fact that I'm a two-time cancer survivor, right? So I spent eight years on chemotherapy, two years on radiation. I have had two terminal diagnoses in my life. I've been in hospice. The, um, when I first was diagnosed, I was five, and I relapsed when I was 10. The first diagnosis uh, at the time, you just died. Like, there was no survival rate. Uh, and I was one of the first seven people to have survived the kind of relapse that I had. Thanks be to God for Dr. Neil Grossman and Children's Hospital here in town. I love you all. Um, but that said, some of the things that, you know, I personally experienced, I wouldn't put my worst enemy through. Um, chemotherapy hurts. Um, I experienced a a loss of the ability to walk, um, because I had acute lymphocytic leukemia and I had this really neat little ultra rare manifestation where my bones felt like they were going to explode right um standing up was unbearable pain for me the and so people look at that from the outside they're like oh this is an unjust thing here's a person who is hurting and we we have to you know explore as a matter of fact childhood cancer is one of the criteria for um childhood euthanasia in belgium Mm -hmm. Um, because somebody on the outside looks at that and says, that is not a life that I would want to have, or that life is clearly one of suffering and that makes me uncomfortable. Yeah, I think this is, you have the, the banner that you see and they call it, especially with physician assisted suicide, the death with dignity. Mm. Um, yeah. that's kind of the battle cry. And there's something that even good people can get tied up into that concept death with dignity to let 
let this person die as we knew them in life. Mm-hmm. Let them make the decision that while they can still, while they're still talking and laughing with us, they have a terminal diagnosis. Let them choose to go out now so that we don't remember them in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and for us as Christians, this is not okay because there's good to be gained in the suffering and that uniting oneself to Christ, mm-hmm. um, even though almost never is it pretty, almost never is it enjoyable, but not everything that's fruitful is enjoyable. Yeah. Well, and I mean, then for the caretaker as well, um, to take care of someone who is suffering, who is getting close um, to the end of this earthly life, yeah. uh, to that disintegration of the body, there is holiness to be gained. Mm-hmm. There is virtue to be gained. There's compassion to be learned. There's an entering into the sacred heart of Jesus, which loves that person with an undying love. Yeah, and I think that that's key when you said, as Christians, this is our perspective of end-of-life issues. Because outside of a Christian worldview, I think it almost it's, it almost makes sense. It's logical to end suffering whenever mm-hmm. we encounter it. Yeah. Um, but as Christians, we do believe that in the incarnation... As God became man and walked this earth, he redeemed everything he touched. And that includes most especially suffering and death itself. Yeah. And so in God's experiencing of life, suffering, and death, he raised it up, as it were, so that we can draw grace from those experiences as well when we connect it to uh our Lord and Savior. Yeah. Well, and, and that's why Saint Simon of Cyrene had such a privileged position, right? I mean, here's a man who intentionally, you know, worked to help our Lord bear the weight of the cross. I mean, it's an example for our lives mm-hmm. yeah. you know, that we're really called to enter in into the suffering of the other mm-hmm. because, you know, it's good for them. It's good for you. And both of you will wind up better for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's why, that's why the understanding of the human person as a body soul composite is yeah. so important. These bot we cannot just utilize our bodies mm-hmm. um, to serve our spirit or, or the common good, society, whatever right. you will. These bodies are important. These bodies have some meaning that expresses the image and likeness of God. Yeah, yeah. Otherwise, when God created man with a body, he would not have said in his image and likeness, we have created him. Right, right. Um, and so, you know, continuing kind of down in... In these lists, um, you brought up, Gordon, the hospice care. And hospice care can be, I mean, thanks be to God for it. It's a beautiful thing. It, it helps. Is. It helps families. It helps patients. And it helps uh, the doctors, nurses, and volunteers of hospice. Um, and this is very, I think, a very important distinction that hospice care and pain management, as one suffers, is very different than euthanasia. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that when you just quickly approach it, it can seem maybe similar in many ways Yeah. Um, with the pain management, especially when morphine is involved. Oh, yeah. Um, because that does kind of hasten the, the person's body's mm-hmm. beginning uh, to shut down. Um, but that's where you have to understand kind of intentionality. Is your intention to end life or is it to manage the pain? Right. Um, that's why I love Father Murphy's line in morality classes. We can never choose to end life. We can only choose to live differently. 
Mm. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a profundity to that. Um, you know, you don't, when you choose to quit chemotherapy um, or not to pursue further radiation or something like that, you're not choosing to die, but you're choosing to live differently mm-hmm. these last months or years of your life. Um, when you refuse organ transplant or something like that, you're not choosing to die, but you're choosing to live differently. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's so important. And I think if our culture could understand that, that we can never choose to die, we can only choose to live differently, then these issues like euthanasia wouldn't be issues. Mm. Um because there are a lot of other options besides, you know, the, but we hate different. We hate yeah, change yeah. as people. And I think that's why there's this aversion to choosing to live differently. That's why there's this attraction to death with dignity mm-hmm. because we don't want to see our loved ones, our friends, whoever different than how we remember them, than how we've experienced yeah, them. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Well, and that's really terrible, right? Like that's an insistence that the person always match up with a memory. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, is the nature of life is first of all, your memories aren't exactly precise measurements of, of a thing that as it was, but second of all, that's a whole other person's life and you don't get domain over them. Mm-hmm. You know, the, uh, and I've got a world of respect actually for, you know, people that make difficult decisions like, the choice to discontinue chemotherapy so that they can, because they know that their prognosis isn't good. And so rather than make a moonshot, you know, they choose to spend the time that they have with their family and just love them as yeah. best they can, yeah. you know, and just be with them. The, uh, you know, and that's, it's, it's a thing that makes us uncomfortable. It's like, no, you're either going to take the medicine to fix you, but <laughs> if it can't fix you, you know, uh, or, you know, we get uncomfortable about hospice because, oh, well, you know, that's, that's morphine and that's, that's pain management. It's like, listen, some people can take it and some people can't. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean that somebody by virtue of needing pain meds is less of a person because they need pain meds. It's just a fact of the matter that your nervous system is built in such a way that, you know, you need it and you take it out of a desire to function. So God love you for it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, I think this is a touchy subject because, as you mentioned, Jonathan, even though to the secular world death seems so natural, our our hearts do still cry out to God when someone dies. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the easiest thing for us to do is just not to talk about it Yeah. Um, as a people, as a society. Um, when someone dies, we even look for like blame game. Was it drugs? Was it alcohol? Were they killed? Yeah, yeah. Um, instead of just realizing that uh, we do die. Yeah. The wage of sin is death, and we live in a fallen world. Mm. Um, and so these issues around death then become so important because they are the culmination of this earthly life. Um, they're how we make our way out of it, so to speak, and into the next. Um, and it must, you know, it's kind of like the end game. You know, what's your last play going to be? Mm-hmm. And so as as people... Um, who are living lives of communion, helping one another get to heaven. Um, we must help each other and and ourselves make the moral choices um, so that when it is over, so to speak, and the new has begun, mm-hmm. uh, it's done ethically and morally respecting the dignity of the person, um, true dignity in the image and likeness of God, and not, as Gordon mentioned, this 
man fashion dignity and expectations that someone can form yeah. uh, to what we want them to be, how we want to remember them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's important that we remain informed on how things are changing in our medical field, um, especially around end-of-life care. And so just a quick shout-out uh, to those who think we might have said something wrong or um, <laughs> are misinformed or would like to become more informed yourselves. The National Catholic Bioethics Center um, is a great place to go online. Um, just Google National Catholic Bioethics Center. The website is ncbc something dot com dot org. I think dot org. It's dot org. Ncbc.org. Um, and they have just a massive amount of information on medical morality, mm-hmm. bioethics. Um, and they so even have a YouTube channel, too. So. Oh, they even have YouTube. I try to stay away from there so that I actually <laughs> write my papers. Um, God love you. But if you if you want to know more about medical morality with a Catholic perspective, um, go to the National Catholic Bioethics Center, ncbc.org. Um, read up on things. They have monthly uh, mailings you can subscribe to or just get online and check it out. Uh, this is important to who we are as people living in society and caring for one another, um, making the best choices ourselves and being informed to help talk with people as they enter into these decisions also. Thank you for joining us today for t- for The Seminarian Show. You can hear this show every Saturday at 11.30 and Sunday at 1 p.m. and in the audio archives at stgabrielradio.com. Let us pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. St. Joseph, pray pray for us. St. Stephen, pray pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. The Seminarians is a production of listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820. Archives of The Seminarians and all of our locally produced programs are available at stgabrielradio.com. pro baseball for a long time and we play on Sundays and it was an easy excuse I took the easy out and just didn't go to mass got caught up on that whole selfishness that whole you know um, I can do it all the times when I was struggling were the times I needed God the most and now that uh, I've come back and accepted God my world has completely changed if you've been away from the Catholic Church for any reason visit catholicscomehome.org today